Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast The Brief, our weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Politis. I am here with Carrie Alaveld. And I think, Carrie, that this is our last show together of the year. Carrie will be hosting the show next week without me. I have next week off. So this is our last show together. And so we want to sort of set the table about what we're looking at as we look ahead to next year. Right. And I, I want to make a plug. Going to be a barn burner next week because you never know what Carrie Ellaveld does while Marcos Melissus <laughs> is away. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. So, uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. So today we're going to talk about what we're looking for to next year. And, and it's going to be, sorry, everybody, apologize in advance. It's going to be the most important election of our lifetime. And I think it's they're going to keep being the most important election of our lifetime as long as we have MAGA really presenting an overt threat toward democracy. They they are, we're going to be talking about the, the Trump GOP platform in a little bit but they have a completely openly embraced fascism. They're not pretending, they're not hiding anything. It's literally out in the open. And I, I'm, my theme is believe Trump when he says the things that he's saying. Cause a lot of people in the media still wanna pretend that, oh, it's just Trump being Trump. Believe Trump and all his people, people like uh, Steve, um, what's his face? This one, Gali. You mean Steve Bannon? Is that Bannon. Yeah, yeah, Steve, Steve Bannon. Bannon, yeah. Today was talking about jailing media people that have criticized Trump. I mean, just believe them. This is what they're trying to do. But- yeah, I mean, The Daily Show, just to just to put a finer point on this, I'm pretty sure that these were like real headlines from, you know, from yeah. or pretty close to real headlines. And The Daily Show put out this list of he- real headlines, um, of course, to have a punchline at the end. But from The Atlantic, Trump plans f- fascism for second term. From The New York Times, Trump's Project 25 includes concentration camps. Um, CNN, uh, Trump vows to jail enemies without trial. MSNBC, Trump modeling second term after Hitler. I mean, these are pretty close. They aren't the exact headlines, but it's pretty damn close to what was reported. Spectrum One News, Trump says he will destroy the Constitution. He literally said he wanted to end the Constitution. And then Fox News. In 2011, Hunter Biden sent Joe Biden $40 on PayPal without selecting friends and family. (laughs) Right now, their big gotcha with Hunter Biden is that that, uh, that Joe Biden lent him $3,000 to buy a truck. And wait, you saw right, Carrie? Hunter Biden paid him back. Yeah, he paid him back. I know, and there's a picture of it. There's a picture of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden in front of the in front of the pickup truck. And early, there's pictures. And James Comer, who heads the uh, investigative committee in the House, um, claimed that just because he paid him back doesn't mean that Joe Biden did not derive benefit from from the payment. Yeah, of course he derived the benefit from it. He got paid back <laughs> with no interest, yeah. even just got yeah. paid back. Yeah. Yeah, he's got payback. So actually, with inflation, he lost a little bit of money. But uh, that's sort of the absurdity, kind of that absurdity of the GOP. But there's also the serious part of it that that the real agenda, which is essentially at this point, it's overt fascism. I don't think we can exaggerate that point. This is not hyperbole. We've talked about oh, this person, that person are fascists. This is a real fascism. But before we get to that, just want to sort of lay a broader table about what we're looking at, what next year is going to be all about. And here we're just really focused on the presidential election. We'll be we'll be talking about the House. We'll be talking about the Senate next year. Those are going to be big battles. But just the presidential election, it's going to be Biden versus Trump. 
So there's a 0.5% chance that Nikki Haley somehow does something. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not very likely though. People I don't think have internalized that it's going to be Biden versus Trump on both sides. I still, people still yeah. imagine that there's this magical primary process that that's. No, I, I think you're right. And, you know, I mean, like they haven't internalized the, it's, interesting that they haven't internalized that it's going to be Joe Biden, because I think there's a lot of Democrats that haven't even internalized that yet. But, you know, if you're a Republican, if you're like conservative and you're you're like not really paying attention, I mean, there is supposedly a primary happening. You know what I mean? Like it is it, it is happen. It is a primary. It's you know, there is a a very long, long, long shot that maybe, you know, Haley makes a run at it. Um, I do think that it would be useful for her to make a run at it and spend several months like because she's a good communicator dissecting Trump, calling him out on, you know, things related to foreign policy and things related to the Constitution and things related. You know, she's she said in the past he he totally ballooned the deficit. You know, I want him I want him to face some of this some of these inconsistencies. And you can tell I just want to say this, too, and then I'll I'll shut up and you can get going again, but you can tell he doesn't want to have this fight. He is like, he's not campaigning. And I think, I mean, this is a point that other people have made. He doesn't seem to be campaigning with the same vigor that he normally does. And, and, you know, he also is, he, I heard him say the other day, and I don't even know if it was during a speech, I think, I think it was during a speech and he was saying, well, we have to come together because, you know, we just don't, we don't want to drag this out in 2024, this, you know, primary battle. He doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to deal with it. So um, it would be nice to see someone who had the chops to kind of drag him through the mud a little bit, yeah. do it. Even if she loses, um, I think that's uh, potentially turned some soft Republicans off. OK, you go ahead. We're late. We're setting the table. All right. Set the table. So the, the next big piece is that the election is going to be decided in the battleground states. And there was a sort of freak out maybe a month or two ago when um, I think it was the New York Times had a series of battleground state polls that showed that Trump was up in some of the states. Uh, all of it was within the margin of error. And I don't know if the freak out, I'm not sure what the freak out was all about, because as I've been telling people, there is nothing new about finding out that the battleground states will be battlegrounds. That is close. The battleground states will be battleground states. And we're talking about Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and then a little bit off to the side, you have North Carolina, which should be a battleground state. It seems to hover three points Republican every year, but, well, but no, theoretically. Listen, Biden lost it by one point in 2020. Yeah. So um, those are, did I miss anybody? I don't think I missed any. Arizona. I don't know. Did you say, did you get the, the Rust Belt states that no one, we're not supposed to call them Rust Belt states, but Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin? I did. So Arizona, and, yep. Georgia, Michigan. Uh, North Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina, six states. Yeah, six states. Six states will decide this the the presidential election. And so when you see polls that show that any of those six states are close, don't be surprised. I mean, we want to think that the vast majority of Americans look at Donald Trump and are freaking terrified at what he promises. That's just not the America that we live in. 
And in those six states, things are pretty freaking tight. Yeah. Now, we will talk about this more next year. I like where we are more than I like where they are. I'd rather be us than them. But anything less than an all-out effort by our side, including the get-out-the-vote operation, getting people registered, getting people to the polls, making sure you you know everybody votes, like without that, we could very well lose. And Donald Trump could be president, and it might be as Liz Cheney said, might be the last presidential election in our lifetimes. This is the reality of what we face. So don't be surprised that it's competitive. And don't be surprised that those states are really going to decide. Every other state, I don't think. I mean, in a blowout, maybe some of these states, Ohio, Iowa, Florida. But if, if Biden is winning that, like, it's a blowout, right? And I just, <laughs> it's, it's it, like, there's no way that Biden wins Florida, loses Michigan, right? Like, those are the, the six states that are really going to decide it. Anything beyond that is gravy for either side. So that's where we're at. And it's going to be ugly. It's going to be frustrating. Carrie, there was two stories. There's a sort of like new genre in journalism that I'm absolutely fascinated by. And that's reporters talking to voters, voters saying really weird stuff. And then the reporters correcting them to the great surprise of these of these voters. Right. So the first one was a New York Times story. And <laughs> can I just say this is news to me? I haven't seen this genre, so I'm excited. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear about it because right. it sounds great. So there is a story by New York. So New York Times ran these these polls, right? And one thing that they found is that there was these this weird genre of if Kamala Harris was a nominee, these people would support Kamala Harris, but if it's Biden, they support Donald Trump. Like, okay, so you're trying to make sense. What what is that? So they actually called some of these individual respondents to ask him a question. And one of them was a woman who said, well, I'm a single issue abortion voter and Kamala Harris is, is pro-abortion rights, but Joe Biden is not. And so the reporter's like, wait a second. First of all, Donald Trump is not a abortion supporter, but Joe Biden is absolutely an abortion supporter. And so she changed her vote. She said, oh, okay, I'm Joe Biden. But I, I didn't know that because abortion rights ended when he became president. So this is a reminder that we are very plugged in. We are paying attention. What seems to be the most basic, most obvious, the sky is blue political fact, in fact, may not be so obvious to people. So it's going to be incumbent on both the Democrats, obviously, to remind voters that they and Joe Biden is actually forced abortion rights. And that the reason we do not have them is because of a conservative Supreme Court that Donald Trump, in large part, installed with Mitch McConnell's help, et cetera, et cetera, right? We have to be kind to those people, I think. We can't be like, oh, oh yeah. such idiots. Like, oh, why are they so stupid and apathetic? You know what? People have multiple jobs. They have kids to raise. They have an elderly parent they're taking care of. Like, they're, they're like trying to survive. A lot of people are trying to survive. They don't have time to pay attention to politics the way we do, even basic level politics. And conservatives have polluted the information space. So oh, yeah. everybody's freaking confused because everybody's yelling at each other. They want to tune it out because it's ugly. It's confusing. They don't know how to make sense of it. So there has to be kindness in our heart. But the second story was the Washington Post story. And this one was also great, right? So they, you know, the reporter is talking to some voter and this voter is very anti-Biden because you know what, what he wishes Democrats did? And I wish I had the story with me right now. Um, but he's like, 
they need to give tax breaks to low-income people, and they need to uh, go after tax cheats that are millionaires and billionaires, and then they need to do more for healthcare. And and so basically, again, it was it was the Democratic wish list, right? And so the reporter sent this voter a bunch of newspaper articles about how Biden supports a child tax credit. Oh, you know, they expanded the IRS in order to go after billionaire and millionaire tax cheats and all these policies that he was talking about. And this voter's like, oh, yeah, this is what I was talking about. I guess Joe Biden doesn't sound so bad after all. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I guess Joe Biden. And, and he said, but no, the media didn't tell me this. And the thing is, there is, quote, media that that reports this, right? But there's something like, imagine the New York Times reporting, well, Democrats pass a child tax credit. Who, who's reading that aside from hyper-engaged and politically active people? Right. It creates, and, and Republicans, of course, again, are polluting that information space. So when he says that the media didn't tell me, he means he didn't see it on Facebook. That's probably what he means. Maybe didn't even see it on, on Fox News. Who knows? Maybe this guy watches Fox News. So we have to understand that that people really don't understand what this election is really about. They don't know what Joe Biden has done. They don't know what the Democrats have done. And they almost, the Republican platform right now is so cartoonishly evil that I don't think people will believe it when we talk about that to the point where I'm like, just listen to listen to Donald Trump. Just listen listen to, to them. To Steve Bannon. Listen to them and just believe them. Because Carrie, I know you've been writing about this Republican platform. I'm gonna I'm gonna unleash well, you here because it's freaking it's mind-bogglingly it's cartoonishly evil. It's cartoonishly evil and bad and like not just cartoonishly evil, but also just like bad politics. I mean, cartoonishly like politi yes. political <laughs> malpractice at the same time, right? right? So I mean, they first of all, let's just say we've all known for a while some of these things that are going to be on the ballot next year. A national abortion ban. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's like a, you know, two thirds loser for them. Two, th they like lose two thirds of the country on that. And I'm going to pat ourselves on the back because we were talking about abortion before anybody thought abortion was going to be an issue, but we knew we saw that. Coming. Right. Everybody was like, Nothing. no, no, it's not going to be. And we were, and yeah. we were like, I just, I, I had such a gut feel about it even before, and not just because right. of the polls. But because I know what it's like as a queer person when we watched, you know, uh, yeah. marriage rights get pulled back, it get taken away in in California and what that did to the movement. Right. The way it like galvanized the movement and energized them and made them just like, we're not going to settle for anything less, you know. And I just I, I just knew that it would be different than after 50 years of talking about, well, you know, pro-life versus pro-choice when the right was actually lost. I just knew it would be different. And um, anyway, it was, as we know. Uh -huh. So, so uh, anyway, but then, so they've, so you've got the national abortion ban that, that uh, Republicans want to push through and they, they're still having the, they, ha you know, I don't even want to go into too many particulars because they're all over the place on it. I mean, they definitely want to have a national abortion ban, but should we talk about it and should we not talk about it? I mean, you know, 
they're trying to encourage themselves to talk about it. But like then some people are saying, well, we shouldn't talk about it in certain states because it's too good an issue in Ohio for Democrats. You know, we don't want Sherrod Brown, the Democratic, you know, uh, uh, senator that they're trying to pick off there in order to flip the seat. We don't want to have him be able to run on a national abortion ban. Well, Sorry, it's going to be, you know, he's going to be able to run on that because they're talking about it. It doesn't matter if they're trying to say, well, it's just a state issue and, you know, this has already been decided at the state level. No, no. Republicans, including J.D. Vance, the other senator from Ohio, is saying we need we need to be talking about this. And then and the 15, we can't back away from a 15 week abortion ban. So, you know, that there are some of them that are arguing that the reason they lost in Ohio and Kansas and Kentucky is that they didn't talk about it enough. They didn't talk about it enough. Let me tell you, I know it's mind blowing, but they had this conversation after 2018. I mean, 2022. Sorry. They had this conversation after 2022 as well. We should, you know, we didn't talk about it enough. So they, they like they're going in circles. They're like chasing their tail on this thing. And the reason they're doing it is because no one has found, you know, the way to unlock this or in this case, lock back up the Pandora's box that they opened up when mm-hmm. when, you know, their conservative Supreme Court justices ended, um, a, you know, a right for uh, pregnant folks across the country to be able to make their own healthcare decisions, uh, in, in concert, you know, with their, with their healthcare provider and their doctors. Anyway, so you've got, here's their platform. There's going to be, we're going to push a national abortion ban. We're going to, we have to deal with social security and Medicare, and we're going to end it. We're going to, we're going to end those subsidies, right? We're going to repeal, we're going to be done with social security and Medicare. We're going to either strip it, strip it back or, you have to be older to get it or whatever they're going to do, but they, they, they're all in on any social security and Medicare, two of the most popular programs um, in the country. And just a reminder that Mitch McConnell like ripped Rick Scott, who's running for reelection in the Senate in Florida, basically saying, have you looked at your constituency? This is Florida and you're advocating for ending social security. Right. Right. So and then and then, of course, democracy is on the ballot because it's Trump and Trump is saying things like, I mean, it's no secret what they want to do here. Trump is literally saying, I want to end the Constitution. I am going to, you know, get rid of the guardrails. I am going to uh, prosecute my political enemies um, and use the government as a you know, as a tool of his political retribution. Um, you know, it, it and Liz Cheney is out there with her new on her new book tour uh, for her new book, Oath and Honor. Um, she is burying Republicans to the extent that she can. Um, but saying things like, hey, listen, it, this might be people need to understand this. Just like you said earlier, this might be the last if you if Trump wins, this might be the last election you get to vote in. And that's not hyperbole. She understands where Trump is headed if he gets his hands on power again. Um, And the fact that there's going to be, you know, she's seen this from the inside. There's going to be zero Republicans who stand up and say, no, don't do that. Zero, right? They've bought in now. They embrace him. Um, So even the ones who once said, no, you know, Trump's a bad, bad news, even if they were saying it privately, they've just all out embraced him now. And she was, she was having at it um, with Republicans for that too. Like somehow he's gotten better. So now he's okay. Are you kidding? Um, but anyway, so there's that. So democracy is on the ballot now. So you've got three issues, national abortion ban, extremely unpopular, 
ending Social Security, Medicare, extremely unpopular, ending democracy. I would think that would be extremely <laughs> unpopular. I don't know if I've seen polling on that because it's just it, so, why would you it, need the poll? Do you like? <laughs> it did not. It did not work well for them in 2022 as an issue oh, because but it was on the ballot and people understood it in 2020, right? But on top of that, Donald Trump wait, wait, was wait, like, "Wait, wait, there's more." Yes, yeah. Oh, but wait, there's more, <laughs> right? On top of that, Donald Trump was like, "Hey, this isn't a good enough platform on its own. We need to throw something else, another log on the fire, right?" So let's let's go after repealing the ACA. Again. Let's go, let's end Obamacare because that wasn't a fucking disaster for them the first time around. I mean, you know, the, like his lowest approval ratings as president came, and the and the Republican parties came while they were trying to and failed to repeal the ACA. They got it from both sides because. The people, there were a bunch of people who were like, oh, no, 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 don't take away my health insurance and don't take away this health insurance that we fought for, you know, that we that we sacrificed the House majority for as Democrats um, and and rallied around that indivisible, you know, dot org came out of that whole grassroots organizing effort at the local level to make sure the ACA wasn't repealed. And then on top of that, when they failed to do it and they'd been promising to do it for a decade. Um, during pre Trump's presidency, all Republicans were like, you guys suck. So, you know, like that was a total debacle for them. So he, he, you know, he tweets that out last, like last weekend, like a little over a week for ago. For no reason at all. Just there's, there's nothing. It was apropos <laughs> of zero. Zero. He just pulled it out and just like out of the blue puts it out there. I'm sure his strategists were like, oh, my effing God. And then he just proceeded to double down on it, you know, to the point where he was like he was having to say <clears throat> things like, well, I don't want to repeal it. I want to replace it with something better. I don't want to take away health insurance. Um, you know, I want to I want to I got to want to repeal it or I want to put something better in. So, you know, he's like and clearly he's never put up some he doesn't know anything better. Right? It's just. No, I mean, he was going to build the wall, too, wasn't he? He was going to hire the best people, too, wasn't he? He was going to, you know, I mean, like, this is just another one of his, like, you know, just completely useless promises that he makes when he has no plan whatsoever. And he he, he couldn't govern his way out of a, you know, a paper bag. So, yeah. And, and Carrie, that's not all. There's more. There's more. Okay. What's so that's so we've got four things, four things on the GOP platform that are fantastic. What do we what else we got? You got crimes. It. Lots of crimes. Criming. Lots of criming. Criming. <laughs> criming. Free criming with, with no um, you know, no blowback, no the consequences. Republicans are hell-bent on nominating a guy that's facing 90-some counts of criming and will be sitting in courtrooms. All across, not all across the country, all across the eastern seaboard, from Florida to Washington to New York, in the coming months. A lot of these are actually going to be taking place during Super Tuesday and between all sorts of delays and appeals and whatnot, maybe all the way up to election, to election day. That's part of the platform. It has to be. You can't escape oh, yeah. that. It's yeah. going to be all the news. What's amazing is, is that he will likely, the, the, the way these... Uh, the way the, the timing is shaping up, he will likely be um, he will likely have potentially secured 
the nomination before we we know whether or not he's convicted of any of these things. Because yeah. If, yeah. yeah, if he comes out of Super Tuesday and he's you know he's won a bunch of those winner take all states, he'll probably be unbeatable at that point. So I mean, again, there's a slim Haley chance. There's not a slim DeSantis chance. No. I really don't think that's true. He's done. And just to be very clear, because I know a lot of people fantasize about it, there's there's zero chance that he'll be he'll he may be convicted. There's no chance he'll be imprisoned before the election. The appeal process will take years. So so if he's ever in prison, if he wins if he wins the election, all that goes away because he's going to politicize. He's already made clear he's going to he can pardon himself for most of that stuff. And if Georgia somehow convicts him, he'll ignore it. He'll just ignore it because he doesn't care. It'll be you and what army? Well, he'll probably just jail Fonnie Willis. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what he'll plan on doing. Uh, in fact, a lot of Georgia Republicans have been trying to pass legislation that would that would basically um, strip her of her power. Right. They're, right. And it's not getting anywhere yet because weirdly and thankfully, a lot of those top Georgia Republicans haven't succumbed to MAGA. But it's definitely an effort that would gain steam if if uh, Trump was elected. And if he's not elected, um you know, a couple of years on the road. Yeah, he might end up in jail. I would not really count it as much as we all want to see that. And we'd, it'd be hilarious and we'd celebrate. It would be a national holiday in uh, half the country. We can't. That's not what's going to save us. Now, the, if he gets convicted, it'll be big news. Will it have political ramifications? I, I don't know how much of it is baked into people's decisions already. And maybe, Carrie, you have some opinions on that. I suspect. Well, I, do, I think from I will say this, I think from a messaging standpoint, he has convinced people that, you know, his, his he's convinced the MAGA cult that he is he's yeah. a victim, right? That that he is being unfairly targeted because he's clearly the best option. I mean, all of these people, there are a lot of people who are kind of like, well, I don't know, I really like Trump at the when you know, before the primary really started, but it was start people were starting to anticipate it. I really like Trump. Um, but, you know, maybe we need someone who can win. Maybe we need someone better. OK, well, DeSantis failed to exploit that because he was such a wildly terrible candidate. Okay. Um, he didn't have the skill set to exploit that opening. Um, and probably and also, you know, on a personal level, he didn't have the skill set, but also probably like executed a really bad strategy. Um, but then uh, the next thing is, you know, it, once he once people once he in particular, because he was positioned to do it. Once he he failed to um, exploit that opening, then people were like, well, you know, hey, there's really no other option. And Trump is and 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 they're they're going after Trump because he's probably the best option. So Trump actually managed to message all of this. And, you know, the, the Republican called at this point. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't some outliers. Right. There isn't there. There's definitely a slice of people who are Republicans still identified, but don't like Trump. But his cultists, this is all white noise to them now. They're not really paying attention to, you know, what exactly is in these indictments, what he's accused of. They don't care. Yeah. They're like, this is our guy. We've decided this is our guy. He's our best option because he can win and no one else can. Mm -hmm. And they're all in on him. So, but, you know, what you're always wondering is <clears throat> how much might a conviction hurt him at the margins with people who are like, and we do have some polling that suggests people, you know, voters like, you know, the Republic, of course, the, the, you know, 
completely like spineless group of um, Republican lawmakers are just going to, you know, like they're not going to turn their backs on them. But but they're but when voters oh, the prize, like, I haven't read the news yet. Yeah, yeah. Watch, be like, <laughs> Did he get convicted? Are what? you sure? I what? have to read the article. I don't. Yeah, exactly. That's exact. Oh, God, it's so. Uh, it's just I can't even believe, you know, I mean, I, he, Trump has taken over the state Republican parties. The House Republicans are completely, you know, under his thumb now. And and Mitch McConnell, who was like supposedly the last bastion and the super strategic Mitch McConnell, who was going to save the establishment, you know, missed his opportunity to impeach him because they didn't want to lead on that issue. And now, like you see him backing away further and further. He's just proceeding further and further. It doesn't take on anything that this the Senate is going to be exactly like the House Senate Republican caucus is going to be exactly like the House Republican caucus in in six years. Uh It will be it will be overrun by spineless and even very pro MAGA, you know, Republicans who who turn that whole thing into a circus, um, just like in the House. There's a show to be had at some point to explore what happens if Trump loses and if actually does that kill MAGA and who knows what that might look like, but we'll, we'll put a pin in that because I'm absolutely fascinated by the idea. And I really hope we get to see what actually happens. Um, if we can actually drive a stake in the heart of MAGA. Uh, I think it's going to take way. several election cycles. I how really many, do. Yeah. How many times can they lose before they, they as a party decide that, okay, we need to cut out this cancer, this tumor that's called Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and Donald Trump for the, from the body. Or, or I mean, separate from it. Yeah, and they may lose for a few cycles, just like they did post Nixon. But you don't have to be in the in the uh, wilderness that long. People have short memories, and they do love their lower taxes. So if they can go back to a party that was just really about, don't tax me, bro. Who knows? They could they could rebound quickly. <laughs> It'd be a lot me. better than let's shred the constitution, bro. I mean, right. really. And you know what? It's it's I'm willing to have that debate, a a good faith debate on why government is important and what it can do to make people's lives better. That's a good one. As opposed to, do we really need, do we really need Liz Cheney and uh, Nicholas Kristoff and all these right-wingers fighting with us <laughs> because the constitution is on the line? I mean, I would rather them be on the other side. Let's argue about politics. Like, I don't, I don't know. We Tom, do. Tom, and, and they're yeah. a minority. I mean, you know, yeah. Liz Cheney isn't in the House anymore for a reason. And it's because she actually stood up and said, this is wrong and Trump is wrong. And Trump committed a, a heinous crime against the country. He has no business being near the Oval Office. And guess what? They could not let her stay. And it wasn't just electoral. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, again, I'm not the first person to say this, but the more I think about this, it's because she was holding up a mirror to them. Can you imagine going over to work every day and, and Kevin McCarthy's like, hey, whatever you do during this press conference, Liz, shut up. And and Liz Liz gets asked a question and she's like, yeah, you know what? We, he, Trump's awful and we, we shouldn't be backing him. And, you know, he's a threat to the democracy. And here are all these super spineless, you know, colleagues in her caucus who are being like, you know, uncovered and exposed by her every time she opens her mouth and, and what awful like spineless people they are. You know what I mean? They couldn't, they couldn't abide by that. That's why she's not a part of that caucus anymore. It wasn't electoral. They weren't going to lose their seats because of her. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, that's what we are looking at next year. We're looking at Trump versus Biden. We're going to see the rematch that most I don't think anybody wanted to see that rematch. I don't think there's a single American who's like, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's true. I think you're right about that. And um, it's going to be six states. And again, those are Arizona, Georgia, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Wisconsin. Those states are going to decide. Now, you may you may remember those states because we've been our electorally we've been doing very well in some of those states: Pennsylvania, Michigan, even Wisconsin. We've had some great results. Arizona and Georgia, we barely won them last time. Those those are very tentative. So they're about as on a razor's edge as you can get. So that's we're, where we're also winning a lot of special elections, you know, so, in the interim. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely dig into that next year because again, I like where we stand, but that assumes that we all work our butts off. I just want to set expectations. Trump is not going to be easy to beat, but we can beat him, but we got to work for it. So we'll be we'll be beating that drum next year. And then there we're also helped not just by demographic, not just by special elections, but by the Republican platform, which really comes down to ending democracy, ending abortion rights, ending Obamacare, healthcare, ending, um, I mean, there's even where they're like getting weird about divorce. They're going after no-fault divorce. Okay. They're going after contraception. They're going, I mean, you're right. Contraception, sorry. Can't so do it. They're, it's, it's, they're very, very, very weird. And you got Trump's crimes and the trials. There's a lot happening. None of it seems to be very good for the Republicans, except that they have a cult. Right. That's really the strength. And that's why all these other Republicans can't quit Trump, because they're afraid of his cult. And that cult will turn out and vote in a way that they didn't maybe turn out in 2022, 2023. So we have to be ready for a climate that is different than, um, than we saw the last couple of years that we won. Doesn't mean a lot of our people didn't vote either, right? So I'm not, this is not um, saying that it's going to be more Republican electorate. In fact, there's evidence, and we can talk about it again. We'll talk about it next year. There's evidence that it was a more Republican electorate last year than we'll have next year. And if that's the case, like, frick, yeah, like, that's going to be great. But we're going to we're gonna have to work, guys. We're going to have to work hard. Republicans are doing everything possible to make it easier for us to win that White House and then obviously Senate and the House as well. And it's going to be up to us to do all that work. So um, this is our last sort of opportunities, last couple of weeks of, of December. Take a deep breath, like rest up, meet with your family, have a merry old time, open presents, uh, do whatever you do in the holiday season. Go to the Rose Bowl. Yes, go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I haven't seen a live game in forever. Oh, you're going? Over to decade, I'm legit going. Oh, I was wow. like, all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second, because you know we live in California. I was like, holy cow! If 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 Michigan now I've got you know I hope we're gonna have there's an inevitably there's gonna be some Ohio State fans out there who are like Ew. I didn't know she was a Michigan fan. I've never listened to this stinking broadcast again. But anyway, sorry, I'm a Michigan fan. Go blue. Um, but when I realized that they were going to be, I was like, oh, well, you know, the, the CFB rankings were coming out. The college football playoff rankings were coming out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to be at the road. They're going to be in Pasadena. Like that is driving distance. 
you know, I mean, it's also, you could, one could fly as well, but it's like a five hour drive. So I was like, I haven't seen a live game in over a decade. Anyway, you guys don't want to hear about this, but I'm super excited to go to the Rose Bowl <laughs> and play Bama roll tide roll. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a, I hope it's a heck of a game. All right. I hope, so, I yeah, but you're sorry. reinforcing, have fun. Yeah, have, have fun, fun these last couple of weeks of this year, because next year they're going to throw everything at the wall trying to hope things stick there's gonna be deep fakes they're gonna be lying they're gonna be making stuff up and they're gonna try to make things as confusing to voters as possible so that they turn off voters they need to turn voters off so this is gonna be our job we're gonna be talking to the people that think that joe biden ended abortion and talking to people that think joe biden is against raising taxes on on wealthy people and doesn't want to raise taxes on low-income people those people exist we're gonna be we're gonna be talking to them. We're gonna use it, we're gonna use compassion and patience and understanding that not everybody understands, pays attention like we do. And we're gonna do the hard work it takes to win this election and win a and big and maybe we can drive that stake into MAGA. That's, that's right. And 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 every one of you, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm just telling you, you are more engaged than the average bird Look, by far. percent for sure. Right, exactly. So, you know, but you, like every one of us has a role to play here, right? We're all messengers here. We're all messengers who can bring a message forward. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that I certainly aim to do. And we certainly aim to do on this podcast is to give people, you know, f feel confident in the courage of their convictions about what they're discussing, but also like learn how to do it in a way that lands rather than, you know, can come off as abrasive or turn people off or shut them down or whatever. Like an army of messengers is always better than just one messenger at the top. And Carrie, that's a show next week, isn't it? It is. It is. Come back next week. We're going to um, we're having Jen Ancona on and she's from Way to Win. And she's one of our favorite messaging gurus that we talk to. Um, and I have a lot of questions for her because there are there are some tough nuts we have to crack um, in order to get the right message uh, to voters to make sure they turn out. They understand the the choices and what's at stake, et cetera. So so join us next week. So, Carrie, that is our show for today. Thank you so very much. Thanks to Walter for producing the show. Thanks to everybody who helps behind the scenes, like Perry and Paul. And thank you, the viewer, listener, writer, for being part of Daily Coast and part of our movement to rescue our democracy from the cartoonishly evil MAGA Donald Trump effort to literally destroy our democracy. This is the last time I'll be talking to you this year. So whatever holiday that you practice, this is our time to really enjoy family and recharge because next year is going to be lit. So thank you so much. Carrie, we'll catch you next week. Have a wonderful week.